and make disciples, teach people, train people. Basically, your job is to go into the world and touch people with the kingdom of heaven. He said it another way when he was sending his disciples out. He says, tell them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is within them or at hand. That's your message. And then after you do that, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. So that's what you demonstrate after you go out into the world and, and preach the message. So your job is to get filled up and go out and put what you've been trained in into action and into basically your life. So that's your ministry. The one thing I've noticed, though, is what we've all done is we've taken this ministry, which is are the most important thing in our life, and that's why we're here, and that's why we've been created and left on this earth after we got saved. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things of life are going to be added to you. What we've done is we've made Christianity in addition to our life, so we do our life, and then we add Christianity to it as we go through life, and that is completely wrong. We have a new life. We've been born again. Christianity is not an addition. You've been transformed. You've been born again into the kingdom of heaven. And you live from the kingdom of heaven to the earth, transposing or changing the earth as you go. And your job, your life on this earth is all focused so that you can do that better. Where instead of my job, my home, my family is all important and once a week I'll go to church and maybe I'll even tithe and maybe I'll even go to the prayer meeting. That's addition. And that's what many Christians are doing. Jesus never came to take our flesh and make it better. He never came to make our life on this earth and the flesh better. He came to destroy that life on this earth and make us into a new creature, a heavenly creature, who can then take the things of heaven and touch people on this earth and bring them into that kingdom. Amen. You're never meant to live in the flesh. Matter of fact, it says those who live in the flesh are enemies of God. He even calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Anyway, don't want to go into that. So equipping. The reason why we're fat. So I want to just share three things. One, your mission. We, we should all know our mission. Our mission is, is to go make disciples. It's very plain. It's a great commission. And that's the first thing we have to know. That we're here for a purpose, a ministry, and a mission. Every single one of you. Every single one of us have been called. But few get chosen. Why? Because they're not walking in it. On you as it is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? We all know that. It's in the Lord's Prayer. that We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's our prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. On you as it is in heaven. On everything I do as it is in heaven. If it's in heaven, then it should be on me, and I should be touching other people with it. And if it's not on me, then I need to yield and allow that part of my life to die so that the Holy Spirit can shine through and touch others with that part of my life. So that's our mission. We all know it. Again, I'm not going to go through all the things. He sent out the disciples by 12, the 12 disciples by two, didn't he? 
And he sent them out in several different places in the scripture. So Jesus' way of teaching was, watch me. They listened to him. They got trained up. They got fed. And then he sent them out by twos. And then after they got, came back, they said this, one of them, the time they came back, they says, you won't believe, but even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus was kind of, you know, that's okay, but the really cool thing is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you're actually now not citizens of this world, but you're citizens of heaven. And because you have, you have all the rights of heaven and all the power and authority of heaven because your heavenly Father has given it to you. That's what's important. Everything you have, all the tools have been given to you because your name has been written there. And when the enemy sees you, he knows who you are. The problem with us is we don't know who we are. You know, when I first got saved, I always liked to use the hammer all the time, you know. And everything looked like a nail. So in ministry, my ministry in the beginning was always, oh, I can take a hammer to this, I can fix this. And I was always pounding and beating stuff. But as the Holy Spirit began to show me that there's all kinds of heavenly tools available. Matter of fact, all of them are available to you that I began to use other tools in ministry and began to listen to him and actually became an apprentice to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me and show me what to do and actually speak through me and actually begin to give me words of knowledge and to speak into people's life. And when I lay hands on them and miracles happen, knowing that the Holy Spirit is doing that through me. But it only came when I realized that it's not me hammering a nail it's the Holy Spirit giving me the tools and it's the Holy Spirit operating from the heavenly realm, the things of God through me, that I realized that it's not about my flesh and about what I'm doing on this earth in my flesh. It's about me getting lined up with the kingdom of God. That, again, I'm taking too much time on our mission. We all know what our mission is, so I, we could take a lot of time there. But could you put first John chapter... 1 verses 5 through 10 on the board, please. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Um, I think the most important thing about our mission right now is if you haven't been doing it, repent. God is so cool because the blood washes us. If you haven't been doing it, repent. As a matter of fact, I say this enough to you, but I'll say it again. Look at your life every single day. Repent in the morning. Because you know what repentance means? I've told you enough times. How many know what repentance means? There, I see hands up. Turn 180 degrees. It's actually to change the way you're thinking completely. 180 degrees. Change the way you're thinking, and when you change the way you're thinking, you're going to change your actions. It's all in the mind. So change the way you're thinking in the morning. In the afternoon, in the, I, I'm always saying, hey, is there anything that I've done in my flesh? Or have I gone back to my flesh? Am I not living in the spirit? Is there anything that's drawn me back into the world? Is there anything I'm not doing in the flesh? Because everything that's not done in faith in your life is sin. So if it's not done in faith, then it is sin. And sin is missing the mark. And I want to repent to get turned around so that I can get back on track in, the, in my basically mission. Amen? So let's look at that. It says, this is a message which you've heard from him and declare, and declare to you that God is light. So what God does is he, his light shines on things, and especially in our life, and when it's revealed, sometimes we don't like him to reveal those things. 
But when his light shines, there's no darkness in him at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if you've got any darkness in you and you're walking in that, and you think that you're walking in light, you're a liar. And you're not practicing the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you, you have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And there's more to it. That's verse 7. Verse 8. And if we say we have no sin, who are we deceiving? Every one of us are going to fall and make mistakes. None of us are perfect. The problem with that is don't lay there. Don't stay in that place. If you know you've got a sin issue, repent and give it to him. He is light. He's going to cleanse you from that. He is faithful and just. What is he going to do? He's going to forgive us. Thank you for the blood. Get back up. Oh, man, dust yourself off, man. And get back on your mission and purpose. Because that's what you're all about. Your mission and your purpose is what you're all about. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Second thing I want to share with you today. Know that you have a mission. It's a simple mission. Basically, it's to bring Christ to the world. And to take people out of darkness and allow them to be transformed into the kingdom of life and light. And it's the Holy Spirit that does the talking to you. The Holy Spirit's the power in you. You don't have to worry about what to say or what am I going to do. The Holy Spirit will do those things through you if you yield. But that's your job, every one of you. Every single one of you here have that job. So when you say, well, the church is too fat, you're really talking about yourself. I had somebody actually tell me, you're teaching and training too much. That's my job. That's my job. <laughs> I'm supposed to teach and train. You're supposed to go and do what you've just been trained in. Let me ask you something. My job is to teach and train. The Bible says that in, in the book of Acts that the elders of the church were supposed to give themselves continually to prayer and to fasting and to teaching. So my job is to teach you all. So here's something. Visiting the sick in the hospital, is that my ministry or the church's ministry? Okay. Feeding the poor, is that my ministry or the church's ministry? Now, remember, I'm part of the church, too, so even though I'm a pastor, I'm going to be doing that stuff, too. Okay, here's another one. Um, visiting the sick. Is that the pastor's ministry or is that the church's ministry? Church. Both, but yeah, the church. And do you start getting it that really the works of the ministry are the people? And if the work of the ministry is not getting done, it's because the people aren't doing what they should be doing. I've got probably 15 ministry opportunities right now that I could plug you into if you need something to do. But I can't find people to do them. At least 15. But when I ask you all, hey, will you go with me to the Maples and help me with the old folks there in the Maples? I haven't gotten one volunteer. Could you go to the prisons? Um, Benzie County's got an opening there. I haven't got one volunteer. Hey, the bacon over there really needs some help. 
feeding the people and giving out the, the stuff, and they really are looking some people from our church to help with that. I haven't gotten one volunteer. So we need to take action. We need to be about the Father's business. You guys are getting quiet. Let me tell you a story about this evangelist. Comes into town. He's like one of the biggest evangelists. Great speaker on evangelism. Really is a good teacher. So they set up this conference, church conference. So he basically has the morning session and the evangelist teaches them about evangelism in the morning session. He says, I'm ending early now. So what you can do is make sure you go eat dinner. But before you go eat dinner, you have time to go put into practice what we talked about. Go call your neighbors, call your friends, go into the highways and byways and tell people about Jesus and bring them back. Well, you know what happened. Most of the people went home and ate. But there was a couple people, a few people, that actually did what he said, and the evangelist went out with them and even helped them. And they brought those people back into the conference. And now they're having a prayer meeting and a celebration, and the people are coming back from dinner. And these are the people who paid for the conference to be taking place. And they're getting upset because somebody's sitting where their Bible was. And somebody's sitting in the place they were supposed to, and hey, we're supposed to be having a conference on evangelism. Who are all these people? <laughs> And they get upset, and they go to the leaders and say, go tell him to get back on what he was supposed to be teaching us. What is he doing? Who are all these people? So they kind of grab You know what? You're supposed to be teaching on evangelism. So the evangelist says, okay, folks, we've got to end right now because I have to teach them how to save the lost. Come on. That happens all the time, really. It really does. In different ways. Hmm. Uh, here's a quote from Daniel Kalinda. Daniel Kalinda actually is kind of being mentored to take over Reinhard Bonnke's place. Everybody know who Daniel Kalinda is? Or have heard of him? How many heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Okay. Here's his quote. There always seems to be a great divide in life between action and intention between works and words, between doing something and merely talking about doing it. There is a space between the desire and the deed where most people die in the wilderness of inaction. For every go-getter who's willing to take the field, there are thousands of professional conference delegates, pew-sitters, who are content to go on endlessly discussing the need without ever actually doing anything. young lady came up to me a while back, and she said to me, I've been called to go to Bible college. I've been called to become a pastor. I've been called to touch people for Christ. I know that the call is strong on me. But she said, but I've been running into some obstacles, and, and uh, right now my finances aren't in order the way they should be. And this is... And so she gave me about 18 excuses why she couldn't do that and why she couldn't go. And she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to wait on God till he provides the way for me, and then I'll know it's his will that I can go to Bible college. Can I give you my interpretation of that? Here's my interpretation of that. In other words, 
She thought that if she was supposed to attend Bible college, that God would solve all her problems, pay all her bills, and roll out the red carpet for her. He already spoke to her and told her to go to Bible college. Why aren't you there? Take the step in faith and go. That's a lot of us get into inaction. I'm waiting on God. You know, the, the real religious mature thing to say when we're not walking in our ministries and the desired uh, plans and destiny that God has for us. This is the mature religious thing to say. We're just waiting on God. After all, that's not my ministry. I haven't felt led yet. You've heard all those things, haven't you? I hope you, none of you have said them, though. I'm sure. See, here's what happened to Israel. They get pulled out of the Egypt. We all know that story. They get up to the Red Sea. Now they got the Red Sea in front of them. Egypt now has decided to wipe them out. So the armies of Egypt are right behind them. The Red Sea before them. But God promised to bring them to a promised land. The promises of God don't seem to be real anymore because they're walking by sight and not by faith. They see the Red Sea. They're screaming and yelling at Moses. You brought us out here to die like this? Moses is even getting talking back and forth with God. And I love God's response in Exodus. I'm going to read Exodus 14, 15. Here's God's response. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Why do you cry to me? I've already told you what to do. Go forward. He's already told you what to do in the Great Commission, and it's to go. Why do you cry to him all the time about, oh, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. and Oh, I need to do this and I have to have this type. And he's told you and gave you a command. And if you love me, you will keep my commands to go. Matter of fact, he said, go therefore is the next word. And then therefore goes back to the verse before where it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And now I'm giving you, giving that to you. Go therefore into all the world. Do you have an excuse not to be going? Well, wait a second. I'm going to wait on the Lord and hear what he says to me about what I should be doing. Oh, or wait, that, it, that one really isn't my ministry. Oh, yeah, I'll just wait. I'll just wait on the Lord. I, I believe in waiting on the Lord and when there's times to wait on the Lord, but when the Lord gives us a command, you better obey it. It's that simple. And quit walking in the flesh. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into it. It's great adventure. Probably the most greatest thing in your life that will happen to you is when you lay down the flesh. Give your body over as a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans 12, 2. That's your reasonable service. And allow the Holy Spirit to have control of this vessel and watch the adventure that you're going to be on. It is so cool. It is so good. That's what you were created for, and that's who you're meant to be. And that's why I said, maybe we just need to repent a little bit and get back on track. Take action. Take action. Step out in faith. Um, God really is never going to bless our good intentions. He's only going to bless our actions. So you can have all the good intentions you want. God 
blesses what we're doing. Could you put up uh, Matthew 25, verses 32 through 36 on the board? Matthew 25, verses 32 through 46. Oh, there it is. Okay, good guy. Good, 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 good. Why don't you, uh, it's up there on the board, so I'm, of course I don't have to have you turn there, but look at this section of scripture. What happens is Jesus is trying to explain to the people that you've got a mission and a job to do. So the first thing he talks about is there was these ten virgins, and five of them were prepared, and only the other five weren't. And so five entered into the place they were supposed to go. Then he talks about these talents. One had five, one had, was it three or two, and one had one. And the one who had one didn't do what he was supposed to do with it, so the one who had one got it taken away and given to the other one. So though he's going through those, and then the next thing, after the talents, the parable of the talents, is this parable, or this teaching. So again, he's on a, trying to teach them what they should be doing. And Jesus says, And all the nations gather before him, and he will separate them, one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep and the goats. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, he took me in. And when I was sick, you came and visited me. And when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And they said to him, Lord, Lord, when, when did we see you? This way. I mean, come on, I would have remembered that face. And what did he say? He said to them, When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so what does he say to the sheep? I don't know if we got that far down. Did he says to the sheep, Assuredly, I say to you, as much as you did this to the least one of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. If you can roll up to the next set of verses there so they can see those. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, as much as you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. Then you will also say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed ones, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, gave me no food. I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. When I was a stranger, you never took me in. When I was sick, you never came and visited me. When I was in prison, you never came to me. <laughs> they were like, Lord, Lord, Kirk, quick, go get 
the Lord a hamburger and a Coke. Quick. <laughs> Quick. You know, because Lord, I didn't know. I really didn't know you were hungry. Can, can somebody run up to the McDonald's right now and get Jesus a, a cheeseburger and a Coke right now, please? Come on, Denny. Quick, because he's hungry. I, I didn't realize, Lord. Thirsty. We got water. Don't we have water in the back there? We can give the Lord some water now, can't we? I mean, we, if it's you, Lord, we'll give you some water. Lord, when were you a stranger? You weren't one of those creepy people that, you know, were all over the place. That wasn't you. I would have known your face. You know, I, I, plus that wasn't my ministry, Lord. I just didn't feel led. Lord, when were you sick? What did you have? I mean, I hope it wasn't contagious. I mean, how can the Lord, I mean, Lord, really, how can you be sick? Aren't you the healing balm of Gilead? And Lord, really? In prison? I had a friend in Leavenworth once, you know, and I can just see the Lord say, enough. Enough. Enough of your excuses. And he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, as much as you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And these will go away into everlasting judgment, everlasting punishment. But the righteous will go on into eternal life. And the only difference, the only difference between the sheep and the goats is the sheep are doing their ministry work. There he is, he's answering us. The sheep were doing their ministry work, and the goats weren't. That's the only difference between the sheep and the goats. Which one are you? Which one are you right now? we got to get focused back on what's important and what God thinks is important and get our eyes off this world and all the games we're playing on the seashores and the sandcastles we're making that'll be washed away. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Daniel 11:32 it says but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action the people who will know their God will stand firm and take action again great commission Action word, go. King Jesus has not rescinded that anywhere in this book. Your mission is to go. And until he rescinds that order, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Here's the other thing that's going to happen. We're supposed to take action. We're supposed to go. We're going to make some mistakes on the way. But it's the Holy Spirit that brings us back into focus and realignment on the way. I'll give you a quick story. Of my, I'm trying to look at the clock there. I'll give you a quick story. I was, I like to hunt. I was out hunting um, several years ago, and the light came on, and there's a nice big buck about 100 yards out. And a nice big one. I mean, it probably was a 20-point. <laughs> <laughs> and I shot him, and he didn't go down. 
And he kind of trots away and he gets broadside again about another. Now he's out a little farther. Okay, boom, it doesn't go down. So what is going on? So I go out there and there's a little bit of snow. So I'm out there and I'm following his tracks for a couple hundred yards, nothing. And then I see him way off on a hillside, kind of sticking his tongue out at me. No, he wasn't, but it seemed like he was sticking his tongue out at me. And so I get back to my blind and I'm like, what in the world? Something ain't right. And then another box coming out of that peripheral as I'm starting to go in the blind. So I turn around, bam, that one was even closer. That one just kind of spun around and took off running. And I go over there and follow it, no blood, no nothing. I realized that the sights on my gun, the mounts, were like the sight was going like this after I touched it. <laughs> so then I went in and made the adjustments. And I fixed the gun, shot it after I made the adjustments, and it was back on where it was shooting properly. But if I would have never shot the gun, I would have never known what was going on. And if I would have never known what was going on, I probably would have went on like that for quite a while. The adjustments were made, and that afternoon I got a buck. Hey. But the Holy Spirit's there to help us make adjustments. But if you don't shoot and step out in faith and do what you need to do, how are you going to even know if you've got adjustments to be made? I learned the hard way, and a lot of us do learn the hard way. We'll step out in faith, and maybe we made a mistake. It's okay. The Holy Spirit will make adjustments and get us back on track. That's what his job is, if we yield. Mm, distractions. Distractions. Colossians 3, if you could put that up. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Verses 1, 2, and 3, actually. Colossians 3 says, If, we're, if then we're raised with Christ, what are we supposed to be seeking? The things of heaven, the things of the kingdom, the things of God, the things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the God. Set your minds on these things, on the things above, not on the things of the earth. This is a command from God. For you died, basically our flesh is dead, and your life is hidden in Christ and God. Holy Spirit in you, Spirit of the living God. Mind of Christ on you. All the weaponry we need to do the job. Keep our eyes focused on that. Get out of the distractions. There was, um, anybody know anything about bullfighting? It's actually still legal in Spain and parts of Portugal. But in real bullfighting, they have to get a bull that's over a thousand pounds. It has to be raised in the wild, pretty much, and not in the city, not domesticated of any kind. And the the whole purpose is, if the bull gets free, if the bull gets past the matador, the bull gets freedom and, and is free for the rest of his life. Um, or the matador takes it out. So the matador's got first this big old wide gold cape. You know, you all see the little red one. But he's got this real wide gold cape. And he gets in front of the bull. They let the bull out. And he's got this big wide thing. So he just kind of goes over here. The bull hits that cape a few times. And then these guys on horses come running out. And now the horses got armor on before, a long time ago. They, they lost more horses than bulls. But anyway, they come and they take these lances and throw it into the back, stick it into the back of the bull. And the bull at first is losing just a little bit of blood. But then another one comes out, boom. And now he's turned this way. And then another one comes out, boom, he's turned this way. All of a sudden he's distracted. He's got three of them in him. Fiery darts, another one, bam. He's distracted. Now the matador goes, gets a little red one, 
cape. By the way, bulls are colorblind. It doesn't matter what color it is. It's because they don't want to see the people to see all the blood. So now this bull is beginning to bleed profusely, a lot, out of his back, out of his neck. Starting to get weak, chasing all the distractions. Doesn't know which way to go. Not even that big raging bull anymore, but actually like almost out of breath, starting to feel the blood loss. And then the bull goes up, I mean the matador goes up with this little cape, but the bull has really no strength hardly anymore. And he takes a sword and stabs the bull and kills him. Unfortunately, that bull had all power to take out that matador, but he got distracted. And because of the distractions, he never got free. Because of our distractions. Life's but a vapor, the scripture says, that appears for a short time, and then it vanishes away. We only got a short time on this earth. Stay focused on the mission that's before us. I've heard it said, and I think it was Bill Johnson that said, what you put your focus on or your mind on is what you become. What we keep our focus on and what we keep our mind on, that's what we start becoming. If our mind is on the kingdom of heaven, we start coming and allowing the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us. Our focus is then to be dead to the flesh, alive to him. If our focus is on Jesus Christ, then we become more like him. God says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, dear children. That's our focus. But if your focus is on the world and making a living in the world, and living in the world, and I had people even tell me I'm too tired to be part of ministry because I work so much. Well, then stop working so much. You're the one who chose to work that much. The reason why you have all the things that's clouding up what you're doing is because you put them there. You have a right to choose in your mind what you're going to do and how you're going to end. Matter of fact, the scripture says this in Psalm 37, 38. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man. That word end is Archerit, Archerit really means the final end of that man. The final end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. Their final end, Archerit, of the wicked ones, they will be cut off. There was an early saying in the church, happy is the man who has the hour of his final end always before his eyes. And I know for young people that sounds like, you know, I'm still young. But when you have your final end and know that one day that you're going to be in union with God forever and ever, and that this mission will end, you need to keep your focus that that's going to happen. And until I get there, I've got a job to do and a race to run to get to that prize. Paul said it this way, run the race if you're going to win and get the prize. Because every one of us do eventually get the prize those that are running the race. The prize isn't what you build up in this world. You know the old story that people say, hey, the one with the most toys wins. What a lie of the devil. What a lie of the devil. The fields are white to harvest. The fields out there in Benzie County are white to harvest. The fields of your family and friends are white to harvest. 
Oh boy, I'm going to say something here that I don't need to, but I'm going to say it anyway. I even had somebody come to me and ask me to go try to lead one of their family members to Christ because they don't do that. The fields are white to harvest. And here's the picture. There's this giant combine. Everybody know what a combine is? It's a harvester. You all seen the big harvesters, the corn or wheat? You all seen those? Everybody knows what those are. Your job is to get in that harvester, that combine, and start harvesting the fields. But the rains are coming, and the rains will come. And here's what someone shared with me one time. He says, as I got into the combine, I saw a little mouse running by. So I got out of the combine. I got it running, but I got out of the combine. What? Where did that mouse come from? And he's kicking the fields in front of him. Oh, there's another one. He's chasing that mouse. Oh, there's one that went into the combine. Several hours later, as the rains begin to come, and not one time did he get in there and start driving that combine, but he was chasing mice the whole time. And the rains came, and the harvest never got harvested because he was distracted chasing all the mice out of the combine and not doing what he was supposed to do, which is to harvest those fields. Your job is to harvest fields, not get, not get distracted in this world. If I could have uh, the worship team come up, we're going to start close to close here. God has a great purpose, a great purpose for you all, a great purpose in ministry for every one of you. But I want to tell you something right now. The devil also has a great purpose, and I shouldn't say great, a terrible purpose for you also. His plan is to make you ineffective and unfruitful. His plan is to basically... Have you parked your com combine and just sit there and not do your job? If he can't block you, he will distract you. So I want to ask each and every one of you, have you been running your com combine? Are you out there harvesting the fields that are white to harvest? Because that's your job. I even had somebody say, but we pay the pastor to do that. I wonder how that's going to fly with Jesus when you stand before him. Because every single one of us will give an account. And all our wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burnt up. And the only thing that's going to last are the things that are precious. The gold, the silver, which is really souls. The only thing that's going to last are the souls that you touched the people you touch for Christ. Well, you don't understand. I'm all sick and I'm all this and I'm all that. The doctor's got me like on 12 prescriptions and I can't do this and I can't do that. Do you really think that Jesus did that to you? Do you really think maybe that's a distraction? Well, I can't do that because I've gotten too heavy. I've gotten way too much. Do you really think that's going to fly with God? Because you got too fat in this world? I don't see any excuses in the Great Commission. Not one excuse was ever 
I get a free pass because of this is happening in my life. Because all these circumstances that are happening to me, I get a free pass. Right, God? Do you see that anywhere in the Scripture? Anywhere in the Great Commission? hungry out there spiritually and physically there's those that are spiritually and and physically thirsty right around you right now around your home around wherever you go there's those that are sick and are hurting all around you right now There's those that are captives and been put in prison both spiritually and physically right now all around you. There's strangers all around you right now. You have a ministry Take action. Don't get distracted. It's time to make some choices. What now? What now? What now am I going to do with what I've just been told? I'm just going to go home and watch the Super Bowl. That was a good message, wasn't it, hon? Let's go eat. Oh, I can't wait till next week. What are they going to say then? And all that time, people are dying all around you. Stop playing in this world. Stop it. Please, I beg you, stop getting so caught up in this world. If you're looking for something where you can get involved, I can I can point you in a direction. I can even come alongside you and help you start doing it. Please, please, I beg you, please get back on your mission and why you're on this earth and who you are in Christ. Please, take action now. Don't get distracted. If I can have the prayer team come up we're just going to pray today that one we grab hold of our mission again and it becomes the number one priority focus in our life two that we're going to take action that we will commit to take action and three that we will allow ourselves to not get distracted allow the Holy Spirit to keep us from those distractions and when we do get distracted repent when we do get into ineffective action repent when we aren't about our mission repent God loves you he loves you with an eternal love he's not condemning you right now he wants to shake you up and maybe shake you over hellfire a little bit so he can get your attention but he doesn't ever stop loving you and he doesn't ever stop pouring into you his purpose, plan, and desire for you. And now he's saying, come, my children. Come, my children 
must get busy. The days are approaching. The rains are coming. It's time to get into combine and start harvesting in the fields. Are you with me? I'll yoke up with you. I'll give you everything you need. I will give you all of me. And I will take all of your flesh, all your sickness, all your disease, all your excuses, whatever they are, cast your cares on me because I care for you. And come and run with me. Let's take nations. Let's take counties. Let's take families for the kingdom of God. Come, let my spirit rule and reign in you. Come, my children, come. And I ask you all that want more, if you want to walk in your desired destiny, if you want to take action, and if you don't want me distracted, come up. We're going to lay hands on you right now and activate you for your ministry. So those who want to be activated, and you may say, well, I am activated. Those who want more, come on up. Those who could care less what I said, you can leave now. 